Hey everyone, welcome to the Matt Report. I'm your host, Matt, and I interview folks who make a living using WordPress, marketers, designers, developers, anyone running a business that touches WordPress and it helps them make a living. I'd like to talk to them to get their point of view. I try to do this to help folks uh, improve their WordPress business, uh, in business and in life. And today I'm joined by Mike Vardy. Mike, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks Good. for having me. Good. Um, so I'm bringing Mike on today uh, for an angle to help us talk about productivity, time management, all that crazy stuff uh, <laughs> that the young freelancer who's just graduating uh, into, the, into the scene of freelancing thinks is going to be super easy to manage their time, work from home, um, you know, and all that good stuff. Uh, so Mike, why don't you give us the two-minute drill, the two-minute warning of what you do and, and, and who you are? I run a, a, a blog, a website called productivityist.com, which is on WordPress. Uh, and uh, I'm the author of the new book, uh, The Front Nine, How to Start the Year You Want Anytime You Want. I've been the managing editor of lifehack.org, uh, which was also a WordPress blog. Um, I've worked for The Next Web. I still do features for them every once in a while. I also have uh, written for like a ton of sites. And, and I consider myself a productivityist, which is uh, a productivity enthusiast slash specialist. Uh, in, and uh, yeah, I mean, my, my goal is to help people make more out of their the time they have, focus on tasks, not so, not so much on time, and be more efficient and effective with whatever they do. That's awesome. Um, little side fact, and I don't even know, we didn't even talk about this before the show, and I don't even know if you remember, but many, many moons ago when you were an editor at Work Awesome, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember jumping into the scene and, and learning who people were like Chris Brogan, Seth Godin, and saying to myself, I need to, to write a blog. I need to start a blog and I need to guest blog. I heard that was a great way to get traffic. Um, and I submitted an article uh, to Work Awesome. And it was my first, you know, guest post of any sort, any reach out ever. So it was that nervous moment, like, as, you know, I'm not a writer. I didn't do well in, in school at writing. Uh, I don't think I can formulate a proper sentence, but I'm going to try this anyway. I'm going to go out and do it. And I submitted my uh, article to you, uh, and you responded back saying, this was awesome. This was great. I really like these points. And you had a couple edits for me to make, and it was posted on Work Awesome, and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I remember, I mean, your name uh, crops up from time to time, and I'm like, oh, I remember those posts. And, and uh, Work Awesome was a great experience. Yeah. And uh, um, they've since shifted ownership. They were owned by Envato, and now I think uh, Tina Sue of Think Simple Now does. And they continue the, the trend of helping people do awesome work. And again, a WordPress blog. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's talk about a little bit about that. Let's talk about, um, you know, kind of running a publication like that and the benefits. Because um, a lot of people don't realize that you don't need to be a WordPress developer or designer to kind of give back to this ecosystem. Um, you could be using WordPress at a publication like Work Awesome or all the other ones that you have or you've been involved with. Um, from the point of view of, of managing of running WordPress, how is it to manage authors and, and, and guest bloggers? Is the, does the software do uh, what it's supposed to do? It's gotten a lot better. Um, you know, I mean, when I first started out, uh, it was it was interesting because um, everyone can kind of run their sites differently. So you could have, I mean, there's different permissions for different authors. So I I generally had the highest permission level because my job was to to you know kind of um, curate and, and and have some element of control. But um, by and large, I mean, with stuff like Editorial Calendar, which is a great plugin that kind of allows me to kind of schedule and move things around. Um, the ability to have like pending review, um, to have, you know, different scales. And I know when I was working at, at, uh, 
at Lifehack, there was definitely like a, you'd, you'd submit the draft and then it would go to the editor and then it would go to SEO and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think WordPress, because um, it is so ubiquitous, I think it's one of those ones you can really, um, a multi-author blog, it's, it's ideal for that. And it makes it easy to, I mean, you have one point of entry. Um, for, for when I was doing it and I was able to just kind of go in and say, okay, here's where, you know, here's where the people are that, that haven't, they're still working on these drafts so I can go in and, and there's certain plugins that allow you to make notes and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, if you're running a multi-author blog or, or even still, if you're running a, a blog that you're going to allow guest posting at WordPress is the best because most people know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And nowadays, I mean, if it, when we were getting applications in for writers, the first question we ask is, you must have, not question, but statement is, you must have a, a working knowledge of WordPress. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and there's tons of resources, uh, notwithstanding what you what you do here in terms of uh, of what you do, but there's lots of resources for, for writers. And, and I mean, if you go to problogger.net, everybody's saying, okay, you better know how to use WordPress, because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to do what you did at Work Awesome, which is guest post. So right. it, it, it makes it a lot uh, WordPress makes it a lot easier to manage something like that as opposed to like the old content management systems of your. Yeah. Um, do you, is there a de facto, uh, resource that you might send, um, a, a, a contributing writer to, to learn WordPress? Um, somebody who may not even know it, uh, at all. Well, well I mean, we have up here, uh, I'm in Canada, Victoria, BC. We just had a, a WordPress, uh, like a WordCamp, which are fairly common. Um, if you have the ability to go to a WordCamp in your city, go, because it's reasonably priced. I think they're, what, like 20 25 bucks. Yep. Um, you're going you're gonna to get to see uh, a range of expertise. So from the beginner, novice, all the way to advanced. And actually, a, a, a true story is I still do some, some writing for some people, and manage their WordPress blogs. It's one of the freelance things that I still do. And there's one person in particular I was I was doing this for, and I did a keynote at the WordPress Victoria one in 2012. And uh, you know, I said, "Well, I'd like to bring this person along." And I know I knew full well this person was not going to learn how to use WordPress to the nth, to, to the degree that it can be used for. But the reason I brought her was to show her that there were 300 people in our city that when I can't do this anymore for her, she at least knows there's at least another 299 that can. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I think, is the biggest benefit of going to one of these things is you get to see the community that, that is there. And, I mean, on not just online, which is huge, but offline. And you can say, okay, well, if I need help, I can go to, you know, Bob Smith down the road or, or, or Jane Doe down the road and say, hey, look, you know, I need some help with, you know, what plugins should I use, or, or you know, how how can I how can I craft a better post or make things easier for the guy who you know? Because there's nothing worse than when someone submits a post to uh, an editor of a WordPress blog, and it's written in Word, because you have to, because <laughs> it just, that just breaks it. Yeah. So you know, so I mean, those things, and you can learn a lot of those. And I would say WordCamp for the offline experience. Online, um, you know, John Moore does his guest blogging course, which I think is a great one. Uh, I know I've done an interview with him when I was working for Lifehack, telling people you know what they should and shouldn't do. And I mean, Pro Blogger's got some great resources, but but I mean, if you Google, you know, how do I how do I write in WordPress or how how can I get guest posts? You're going to find a ton of that stuff. But offline, sometimes the best magic happens in those offline situations. Yeah, I I, I preach that all the time, especially WordCamps. Uh, we always talk about the value of that because one, it's only it, like you said, it's like thirty five bucks. It's sometimes it's two days. You get lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, far and beyond much uh, more value per dollar than, say, uh, like Blog World, 
which might be like thousands of dollars yeah. to, to attend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you're sectioned off. You can't go to certain booths. <laughs> you, you can only have carrots. You can't have a sandwich. Uh, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Um, so super, uh, super important to do attend those. Right. And NMX was, I mean, Blog World's become New Media Expo. And I mean, for that, I mean, for, for most people, and I just, I just came from that. I just spoke at it. Uh, on a panel, and for for the it's more for people who are really like I would say at the point where they're going to be doing this for a full on living, you know what I mean? And that's what they they're they're either marketing, they're using it for you know I mean th- there's so there's different degrees, and I think for for the beginner especially the person just starting out, I mean I started at a WordCamp, and I think you go from there. And the nice thing about it again is that I started at a WordCamp, and I spoke at the first one, I spoke at the second one, then by the time I was done, I was keynoting. So you get to you get to grow with the community just as the community grows with you. Do you remember the first time you, you used WordPress? Was it at a publication or was it your own? It was on my own. It was for when I was uh, when I moved um, when I first started. I was doing productivity parody, so I was basically doing to productivity what Stephen Colbert does to politics, which is weird because I've become the very thing that I was making fun of. <laughs> but I, I I was using um, a content management system called Joomla, and. Uh, I realized that I didn't want to be using that anymore. And so um, I met a, a, a local guy and he said, we'll move you to WordPress. And so I was doing it with my own blog initially. And I, I'm pretty tech savvy, so I was able to get my head wrapped around it pretty quickly. Um, and, be, and, and I think for anyone starting out, you know, when they're using, like have your personal blog and just put it in WordPress to start. I mean, yeah, there's Tumblr. Yeah, there's, you know, I mean, even get a self-hosted WordPress because at least then you're going to get, or not self-hosted, um, sorry, WordPress.com. Yep. Just go there and uh, and and start because the community is there too, which is huge. You won't be able to use all the plugins and that, nor will you be able to modify the themes as much, but it gives you a good, you know, launching point. And then you go from there. And that I so yeah, I was on my own. And from there, I was able to... Um, screw up in my own realm before <laughs> before taking myself out to the to work awesome which is where I, I wrote for work awesome first and then beyond so i mean that's what i would suggest just start with start with your own yeah so for folks that don't know there's a there's a difference between wordpress.com and wordpress.org.com is they host it you go and you sign up but you can't really break wordpress you don't have that full control it's when you want to get into that uh, more SEO blogger full control scene uh, like a lot of us dive into. You have to download it, install it on your own, and then you get to really customize it and try to do things uh, to convert leads and, and to rank for certain keywords and things like that. So there's a little difference. Let's talk about being that virtual worker, um, which I've seen you uh, since I've kn- known you from work awesome to where you are now. What's it like to be that virtual worker and how do you keep it all under control? <laughs> Uh, it's interesting because I'm a stay-at-home dad as well. So I mean, I've got a two-year-old at home. My daughter is in school, but she finishes at about two—not at about two forty-eight. She finishes at exactly two forty-eight every day. I um, mean, there's pro D days and stuff. So I have to manage that because my wife, you know, works outside of the home. She's an acupuncturist, so she she's at a clinic most of the time. So for me, um, uh, it's it's interesting because. Uh, like today is, is what I would call a heavy lifting day. So th- we're recording this on a Thursday. And and uh, for me, I take that day because my wife actually is at home with my son. Uh, and so I that's the day where I really bear down and, and, and write. Uh, so what I suggest for people who are working in the virtual world is that you, you kind of time chunk. And you can time chunk by by the hour, by the day, by the week, whatever. For me, I have what I call heavy lifting days and then light lifting days. And the light lifting days are days where I like, you know, 
go through emails and make sure that that's all sorted. It maybe get close to inbox zero if I decide I want to go that route. Um, I'll I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do some thinking, some stuff that, that if I can be – basically light lifting is uh, I, I can afford to be interrupted. I can afford to have the diversion, the distraction. Heavy lifting days, doors shut, I'm writing. I'm, I'm you know, doing this stuff. I'm, I'm working on a project. I'm doing you know, interviews. I'm, I'm recording podcasts. I'm doing – like today we recorded the Mike's on Mike's podcast. We had Jonathan Colton on and it was very much like this is a day where I cannot be interrupted. <laughs> I can't. So that's what I would suggest, especially if you're a virtual worker, is, and, and you'll know by your energy level. And the thing is, is once you start to say, hey, here, Monday is a heavy lifting day and Tuesday is a light lifting day, your body gets, to, gets used to that. Uh, another thing that as a virtual worker, you don't keep regular office hours, right? So, I mean, uh, you could work literally 24-7. I mean, Scott Stratton put a video out on Google Plus today talking about like our employees 24-7 at this point. And in a lot of cases, they are. Um, for me... Uh, I say don't fight your body clock. Some people are like, I need to get up at 5 a.m. and go crazy. And if that works for them, that's great. But if you're a, a night owl, don't try to become that early riser because what happens is, is you spend all your energy trying to do that that you actually get less done. So just go with, I mean, trust what your body is telling you. Set up those heavy lifting days and light lifting days. And then in those, on those days that you know are light lifting, get the, get the piddly things done. And, you know, the stuff that, that you know, will slowly help your business or may not really help it all that much, but at least it's off your plate and clear it out of your mind. The heavy lifting days are important to me. Yeah. And you said something that, that, that really clicked with me, and it's as simple as uh, the heavy days and the light days. And I think it's super important because anybody who might be familiar with the getting things done method, um, you know, the one thing was like pick that one action item from that, from that big ob- objective or goal, right? So if it's like, hey, I have to refinance my house. Then you start thinking, oh, my God, I got to go get my bank statements. I have to get my, you know, all my uh, information all in order. And you start thinking of all this stuff, and then you don't go and do it. Um, but I like that. I like looking at the calendar and saying, these are my days that are going to be heavy. These are my days that are going to be light. Then you can probably go in and then get even more drilled down and do hourly blocking and, and stuff like that. I tried hourly blocking, and I couldn't do it. See, I'm more about focusing on task than time as well, right? Which is why I generally, I mean, I don't generally block out time by, by, by hour. The day is what I look at. So if I know it's a heavy lifting day, like you talked about refinancing your house, for example. So on a heavy lifting day where I, I, you know, I need to go and run errands, you know, that's, that's an errand day because I know, try, try taking a two-year-old out with you on these errands. I mean, you're adding like 10 minutes to every, at best, to every single thing you're doing. So, I mean, for, that would be a day where I would go to the bank, go, go gather up all that stuff, do the stuff that's going to take the most time. And then on the light lifting day, I'll take that project and go, oh, okay, well, um, I need to build my Excel spreadsheet. I can do that and be interrupted because everything's going to kind of go, you know, and some people can't. But for me, I can, you know, start a spreadsheet. And if my son has something that he needs to be done or he's napping or whatever, um, I can get that done and then go from there. So I think that hours get really tight because when you think about a task, is one thing tasks are multiples but when you hear you don't hear time and times time is a big amorphous as david uh, david allen would say amorphous blob right like i mean you, and so people get caught up in time um they they tend not to do the stuff they get focused on i only have this much time to do this as opposed to thinking i have to do this 
in this allotted, you know what I mean? So I think that that's really important is to focus on the task rather than the time and you'll find you'll get the more important things done in the process. Yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the developers I talk to will, you know, 9.15 to, you know, 1.27, I am just coding. Uh, and then from 1.27 to whatever, I'm, you know, checking emails and it gets really granular. Um, and I think you have to just add the other advice you gave was doing what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that, and that's another great way of putting it, listening to your body. When do you have that energy level? When do you have, you know, the, the, the willingness to do it? Um, cause I know, especially when it gets nicer out, I'm kind of sick right now, but, um, halfway through the day, if, it, if you're super busy and all of a sudden you hit that kind of burnout mark around two o'clock and you're like, I just need a break. I'll go for a run, kind of re-energize myself mentally and then kick back into gear. And, you know, I might be working to eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, but you're not going to know. It's, it's going to take time, right? It's going to take a little bit of time for folks to kind of feel that out. Yeah, you got to do the front end work. Most people don't want to do the front end work, which is the reason why getting things done often doesn't work for people because they're like, what do you mean I have to capture everything? Well, you don't, you don't have to capture everything, right. <laughs> but you have to get in the habit of capturing, which means you have to capture everything at first. And then you get better at understanding what's worth capturing, what's not. Whereas, you know, I mean, so people get really freaked out. They're like, wait a minute, this seems like a lot of work. It, at fir- it's like anything else. When, you, you know, when, you're, when you're building a house, you know, it takes a lot to do the, the initial stuff, to build the foundation. But then once the house is built and you're like, okay, I need to put up the, the, you know, the wainscoting and I need to paint, that stuff's a little bit easier because the house is already there. So you've already, you know where, where you're going to do it. Yep. But if you, if, if you don't have that foundation and you don't do the front end work, then you're kind of, you're going to be spinning your wheels. So, I mean, and I don't, not, some people won't use David Allen's method at all. And that's, that's cool. I don't use all of what David Allen talks about either. And he's very clear. It's not a system. It's a systematic approach. I mean, and most people, you know, they figure they have to go buy the book on it. You do, I mean, whatever, for me, it's what I'm more about mindful productivity and thoughtful stuff because we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of information thrown our way all the time, especially the virtual worker because you're online all the time. So you're getting a lot of stuff thrown at you. So for me, I, I think that, that the big thing is, is if you – if you focus on that that task stuff and you and you 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 are you're listening to what what your body is telling you and you're not trying to tweak the hours of the day that you're getting up and all that then you're going to be more mindful about it you're going to get and i think that, that then you get the right stuff done yeah were you always into this uh into the productivity productivityist of life or is it only when you hit uh the road as a virtual worker Actually, it was before I hit the road as a virtual worker. What happened was I was working for uh, I was working for Costco, and uh, I was a manager. And then I was also uh, fortunately uh, my my roommate said you got to go to these improv classes. So I went and boom, I was back into it because I did that all through high school, back into the comedy. So I was managing a comedy troupe, and we we had gone down. Uh, to perform at San Francisco Sketch Fest and DC Comedy Fest. So we were experiencing some success, but there was a limit, right? Like you, you hit a ceiling where, where it's very much, you know, along the lines of, well, here's my day job, and then here's this other thing I'm really passionate about, and they're, they're kind of butting heads. And I didn't have a real system in place to manage that. I was using a day timer at work, but I wasn't really using it for this other stuff. So that's when I got into productivity. But what happened was is I just started studying different productivity systems. So I fell victim to what they call productivity porn, right? <laughs> and, and so I, I was watching an episode of, of the Colbert Report when it hit me. I'm like, you know, I am doing productivity. Not, you know, I, I, I'm not being productive. I'm doing productive. 
And so I, I'm like, I should be making fun of this. I should take my comedy and turn it into this. So I created Effing the Dog, which became Eventualism. And through that, I got the attention of, of David Allen's uh, company and the GTD Times and Work Awesome. And, and so by, by pointing fun at it or poking fun at it, it but knowing a lot about it, because you can only satirize and parody what you know a lot about. That's how I became what a, the, this productivityist that I am now. So I kind of I didn't fall into it, but it, it wasn't the, the direct path. And l- I have to say that because I took that path, I was far more prepared when I became that virtual worker because I had studied it. Um, I would not recommend doing what I did (laughs) because it takes a lot of, you end up spending a lot of time learning about it. So if you want to be a productivity blogger, do exactly what I did. (laughs) But if you don't, if you want to do other stuff, you know, just, just, you know, pick a few RSS feeds, uh, you know, Productivityist.com is a great place to start, but there are, you know, life hacker, life hack, um, you know, I mean, uh, Patrick Rohn writes some great stuff, Michael Schechter, uh, Better Mess. I mean, get familiar with it. Don't immerse yourself in it. And then that'll help you kind of figure out what will work for you, what won't work for you. And then, you know, you have to connect with what's in here. So, yeah. And let's talk about productivity porn real quick now that, now that you've brought that up. <laughs> um, and that's a, that's an awesome, uh, phrase because, I fall victim to it. I think a lot of freelancers and anyone who's an entrepreneur fall victim to it. You, if you're familiar with like Mixergy.com, uh, Andrew Warner, you'd be watching interview after interview and then you find somebody else, maybe like uh, uh, The Rise to the Top and Chris Brogan's podcast, your podcast. And now before you know it, we've got you know, 14 hours worth of daily podcasts to listen to. We're reading articles. We're putting stuff in Evernote. Uh, you know, Everything now is, especially like if you look at Copy Blogger, it's always content, 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 content mm-hmm. marketing. Is the next big thing going to be how we cut down on all this content? Is that going to be the next big thing? How do we pull ourselves from all this information flying at us? I think so. I think, I think we're on the cusp of, of sort of more mindful and thoughtful approaches to what we do and not so much of a, I'd say, a careful consumption. You know, I mean, think about it with television. I mean, what happened with television is we had cable or we had basic cable. We didn't even have all those stations. There was no 24-hour news cycle. It was just, you know, at the end of the day, the TV would go off the air. They'd play the national anthem and then the bars would show up and that would be it. That. Is there a station that 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 has that now? It's funny there's that you probably, say that because I don't. Even, I remember that. And that. There's probably a station that just plays the national anthem 24 seven now, and maybe one that has the bars. But that's the way it works now. But now we're seeing with Netflix and with Hulu and with things like is people are saying I don't really want to watch everything. I want to watch the things I want to watch. Right. So they're they're curating it there. And there's ways that, you know, I mean, again, Netflix allows you to take a look and Hulu, you know, you can uh, I'm you know, I mean, there's there's so I think we're going to see that with the Internet as well. Clay Johnson wrote that great book, The Information Diet, um, which I highly recommend people read. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that 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 it's a it's a it's a tough read. It's a long read, but it's a good one because I think what's happening is we get this fire hose of information coming at us and we don't we don't get as much done because we're focusing on consuming rather than creating. So I think we're seeing more of this, this thoughtful, mindful approaches, not just to content, but to productivity, to workflow. You know, I mean, uh, remember when, when WordPress started, you, you wanted every plugin. You wanted plugins like to do, and what happened? It slowed down your site. It would make things, you know. And then, so, then you'd have 20 social sharing workflow, work, uh, WordPress plugins that you'd, you'd, which one did I use again? Which one's better? I don't know. So, and the same thing happens, you know, would you listen to, you know, what, say, 
life hacker says over life hack, and they're both saying the same thing. And so I think you're seeing a lot more more careful consideration of what people consume, and I think that that, that in turn is going to lead to more cons- careful consideration of what people create. Yep. And and hopefully, um, like in in you know, I mean, there's my the the book I'm working on now, the front nine's out, and I've I've been gathering information for my next book. But I think we're going to see a productivity shift to more, you know, checking off the right boxes as opposed to checking off boxes. And I think that's going to go across the board. And I think it's going to hit the mainstream too, which I think is incredibly, uh, not only important, but it's going to be interesting to see when that happens. Cause I, I don't think everyone wants to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I just want to let folks know I'm, I'm bringing this up because if you are a freelancer, this stuff can kill your day. Like if you are just stuck in RSS reader, um, or newsletters, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, it, it, it can really drown out your day to the point where you, you're at the end of the day and you're like, I haven't got anything done. I've been consuming and learning, but you've consumed and learned so much, you can't even take anything away from it because mm-hmm. you've melted your brain um, and then you just don't have any more work hours and you don't feel like working. You bring up. I, I, I think another good point to mention is, is I mean, when I, do, when I talk about social media with people, I say, you know, it's important to, I say just pick three. Pick three social media outlets Claim all the ones that you 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 all the new fancy ones because that 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 you get your yayas out that way. But then what you do is in the information, uh, you know, in the in the in the about section, just put, uh, "Hi, I'm Mike Vardy. Uh, you won't find me here, but you'll find me here." Hyperlink it to your website. So bring everybody back to your site because that's where the real stake is. All, social media is all just sizzle, right? This is the stake. So I pick, you know, pick three, and and there's no right three for any one person. I don't do video all that much, so YouTube might not be the one for me. But definitely Twitter. You know, I use uh, Google Plus a bit more, more increasingly. Um, you know, I'm using, I still use Facebook, but less and less app.net. So it depends on which ones work for you. But pick three, focus on those three. And that'll also allow you not to suck as many hours out of your day. But then you're also by setting up those other profiles, you're saying, okay, I don't need to worry about, you know, LinkedIn because people will come to my site and I don't need to worry about Plurk because I've, I've bought that or, you know, so on and so forth. So I think that that's, that's crucial. And again, front end work, that's the front end work. Yep. Um, I am totally with you on the, th- on the pick the three social, uh, sites. I, I try to stand by the same ones, Google plus Twitter and, uh, now YouTube, uh, before it was a little bit more of LinkedIn. Um, I want to, I want to go back to something else, but before I do, uh, speaking of the diet, the information diet and, and only picking three and honing down, is there a danger to picking too little? Like Chris Brogan did a thing where it was pick three books for the entire year. And now he's actually come back and said, you know what, forget this. This is, we, I, can't just, I can't just focus on three books for the entire year. It's impossible. I need to, I need to be consuming a little bit more than that. Um, are, you know, what's too little? What's too much, I guess, uh, if, that's a, if, if that can be answered? I think that, well, when it comes to books, I would almost say read more books and less blogs. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. I think the books, the books have the similar theme throughout. And, I mean, the nice thing about it is that you're in control of the flow of information. Right. I mean, if you're using your 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 Kindle or your iPad or your for me the Kobo or whatever, um, you're you're able to go. Okay, I'm done, and you stop it, and then you go back to your to work. Right. Plus, you're disconnecting yourself from. I mean, the thing I like about the iPad uh, and 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 e-readers in general, but the iPad especially, is that most people use it as a content consumption device. I use it also as a content creation device, and even though it can multitask it really can't you only see one thing on the screen so i mean when i'm writing on my ipad all i'm doing is writing when i read 
I'm just reading. I can't do much else. So, uh, and the other way you can kind of get away from, from the consumption as opposed to too much versus too little is I don't use my computer to read. Uh, my RSS feeds are on my iPad. I use Reader. And I check them first thing in the morning before, you know, before I really get into any email. I mean, email, it's what for lunch as far as I'm concerned. Um, but but uh, I think that if you, you limit the access points, that will help. Um, because there is a lot of great content out there. And I, I would hate to say don't read this person but read this person and, and don't read this book but read this book. But if you pick the devices like my, my Kobo and my iPad or the place, I don't read on my iPhone either. I do social media on my iPhone but I don't do it on my iPad. So I think if you take the device and say, what do I want to use this device for? What do I want to use this, this, this thing for? That'll help you with content consumption. And I mean, on my computer, I am doing what we're doing right now. I write, you know, I fine tune because there's certain things that you can't do on the iPad with, with WordPress and with, you know, it, it's just in general. Um, so it's my all-in-one. But the other ones, if you pick and are conscious and, and again, thoughtful and mindful about your approach to those devices, you're going to have a much, much better time with how you deal with the information coming your way. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one of the questions I typically ask the uh, successful freelancer is how they've dealt with the $500 client who comes to them and wants the world. But you brought up a good point about how people are going to be, us as freelancers, are going to be more mindful about our productivity. So I kind of want to combine this question. How do you deal with that 500 low price uh, client and will they be mindful when we are trying to be mindful, are they going to be mindful of our time as we're trying to be mindful in, in productivity? Do you see <laughs> yeah. that just clashing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, I only, when it comes to my freelance work now, I will have no more than three clients. I, I kind of do the mule design, you know, mule design, Mike Montero. He has the, with mule, they only have six clients, six, that's it. Uh, and they will have no more. And that, that, that way they can do their best work for those six clients. Now, because I'm doing my own stuff as well, I choose three. Uh, and I'm at two right now, and I'm probably going to stick with those two as long as possible. But that allows me to kind of give myself the freedom of two things. One, I mean, retainers is often what happens for me. So I don't get paid a lot for some of the work I do, but I also say, okay, well, I'm only going to do this many hours worth of work, and this is what you get. And some of them get the hometown discount, some don't. Um, the other thing is you have to set boundaries. Like uh, I, one of my clients tries to email me after 5 p.m., um, they're going to get that message. You know, I only answer my email two to three times per day. You know, if it's, if it's important and I use a wayfind for this, fill out this form. And if they fill out the form and it's not too late, then I will get back to them. But we have to start treating email and that kind of stuff as, as the office phone. You know, I mean, you're not going to call your lawyer at 7 PM at night and expect them to jump without paying a hefty, hefty fee. Right. And you're also not, you're right. And you're also, I mean, the other thing is, is, I mean, when someone emails you and says, why didn't you get back to me right away? I'm like, well, do you stand at your mailbox and wait for the mailman to come and open the door every five minutes? And, uh, you know, no, you know, when the mail comes, so you deal with it then. And for me, I've decided that email is going to happen. First thing I do in the morning is I do, I obviously, I read my, my, my RSS feed to get some ideas. Possibly you get the mind going. Then I do my most important thing for me for the day, because when you go into email, and I mean this goes for if you're a freelancer and have clients or not, you are letting that person, that first email or those emails direct your day. You're not directing your day anymore unless you send email to yourself. <laughs> then, 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 then have at her. Some kind so, of back to the future meta thing. <laughs> exactly. So for me, that's what I do. And, and I think that if you do that and you start to set – and you're very clear about it, 
we have to train people because it's new technology and clients are no different. And the ones that want to pay less are, um, there's been clients that said, I want to only pay you 20 bucks per post. I'm like, sorry, I, I'm 50 per post. Well, we can't afford that. Okay. And that's fine. There's someone out there that will do it. Um, they're going to get the quality of work that they're going to get for 20 bucks. Whereas for me, you're going to get not just the quality of my work, but you're going to get the reputation that goes along with my work. Right. Um, you know, and for some people that's going to be, you know, worth even more. So I think that you have to look at it that way. Uh, and there is a lot of competition for, for freelance work, whether it's writing, whether it's design development, whatever. And I think that, uh, it's, it's, it's all about focus as to, okay, Here's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on these aspects of my freelance business and I'm going to charge this much. And, and in a lot of cases, what I'm seeing some people do is they say it's $3,000 and you get this and you get like a whole tiered package. So they're doing package deals as opposed to you're going to pay me X amount per hour. So it used to be you pay per hour, then you pay per project. Now it's like here's the package. Buy the package and then retainer afterwards or not. So I think we have to start rethinking that and think a bit outside the box so that way we can, you know, afford to make a living doing it. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that's how I look at it. I mean, I'm in a position now where, you know, I do some stuff for, I do affiliate stuff on my site and that. So I'm making enough money to, to, to work, work it out. And the other thing is honestly, when it comes to financial approach, um, I was speaking about this the other day to uh, Jared Latigo and I said, you know, the hockey strike as a Canadian, I was deeply affected by this hockey strike. But there was nothing worse to see millionaires walking down the street to go talk to billionaires about a, little, a few dollars and cents when the person that goes to see the game only makes, you know, $40,000, $50,000 a year. To me, yeah, their careers are shorter than ours. Adjust your lifestyle. So if you want to do what you love to do, you're going to have to make some choices, and especially initially. We don't, my wife and I do, my wife's an acupuncturist and I'm a freelance writer on the internet. So that probably gives you an indication of how much money we make. But our lifestyle is is aligned with that. So when you do that, you have the freedom to make more choices. And yeah, that may not mean that you can't afford the latte every single day that you want or, you know, the really nice bourbon, although I do have some really nice bourbon. Uh, you know, but you 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 set aside that. So I think that all those things play into it. And again, when you're mindfully approaching these things, when you've got the front end work done for productivity sake, you can say, okay, I can be clear headed and make those decisions. Yeah. I hope that answered your question. It was a long, <laughs> long diatribe, but I think I, I covered some of the points. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's something that people should definitely be aware of. And, and the first thing that I do, there's, there's two problems in the WordPress community and, and, and probably in writing and in every service industry. The $500 client is both the person asking for a WordPress website for $500, um, and then there's the person who's out there pitching the $500 WordPress project, which is bringing the value down um, for the for the higher tier stuff, um, and I think that where I, my little spiel is, I'm out to kind of quash that, right? I'm, I'm out there trying mm -hmm. to uh, let people know how much of an art and how much value goes on behind building this stuff, um, and that to the folks that are pitching it for the low price, there's a lot more you should be doing, which would then increase what you could be charging if you were doing it in that scalable approach. And I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know, with saying you go from, you do what you got to do to make, to get the ball rolling, to make the money. And if you're starting out at the 500 bucks, that's no problem. You just keep going, but then you start to keep elevating yourself. You go from the, the, the hourly to the, the project price to now the package price. And what is this overall value you can produce for somebody for a bigger dollar? 
And I think that's super important that people uh, should take away. And you, and no matter how much you're getting paid, do your best work. Exactly. Because because if you are getting paid five hundred dollars to a website, and you're like, oh, I'm worth fifteen hundred, and you do five hundred dollar work based on your fifteen. You know, if you you say, oh, well, I'm only going to do five hundred dollars worth of work, then then you're only doing yourself a disservice. And yeah, it's a bit of a piss off when you have to do that. You know, but. Then that's when social media comes into play. That's when you, because you just never know who's going to see it and they're going to go, wow, look at this design. And then, you know, you elevate me. And I, like I said, I used to get paid 20 bucks per post. I don't get paid $20 per post anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to not get paid to speak. I now get paid to speak. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, you know, it's, you're right, it's about scale, but never present your work in a way that is going to be less than what you would expect if you were getting what you expected to get if that makes sense. Yep, totally does. Showing the value uh, and, and then delivering on either that promise or that support. Yeah, let the others suck. Don't you suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just real quick, do you, do you get people that will pitch to you and say, you know, can you, can you do some guest posting and it's going to be 20 bucks and then when you come back and say it's going to be 50 or more, do you find folks uh, say, oh, okay, I'll pay you? Or Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've had a few. I've had a few. And, and I mean, that's the thing is if that's your fee, that's your fee. Come back. And and if they say, we'll pay 20 and you say, I'll pay, you know, no, it's 50 and they go, okay, well, we can't do 50. Can we do 35? Then, then look at the site. And I always, I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I'd like you to write for my site. And before I even come back with the price, I look at the site. And if the site isn't something I want to be aligned with, and it has happened, then I'll say, thank you, but I respectfully decline. So I don't even bring dollars into it. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I come back now with the, with the price. And in some cases, like I'm writing for a local publication in print, and they don't pay. And they said, but it will help. They'll often come back with, but we'll raise your profile and all this stuff. So my next question is, is can I repurpose content that I've used online already? They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm doing no additional work. I'm getting additional exposure. And it's now in print, which is still has you know a bit of a cachet, not a bit of a, a lot of a cachet attached to it. So I, we're all winning here. So sometimes you have to make those calls. But Again, you have to be clear of thought. You have to. You can't worry about you know. Oh, and then I have these thirty emails to answer, and oh, I haven't done that. That's where you have that when you have a, a clear mind, clear thought, and you've got that sort of mindful approach to it. Then you can make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And those decisions sometimes aren't always about money. They're about exposure or about what you can and can't do with your time. Mm-hmm. That is that's that's awesome. It's good that they allow that, but it's it's also a benefit uh, for you and win win situation all around. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of wrapping up this whole business adventure uh if you could go back in time one year five years ten years is there something you think you would do different uh uh, to set yourself up for success uh today i would get better at saying no Hmm. the temptation i mean i've gotten better in recent years but initially when you start you want to say yes to everything and that will affect not only the quality of the work you do but it will affect your ability to get the work done in a timely manner because as much as you focus on task and t- time is finite to a point, um, you know, because I've dropped the ball a few times. We all do. Uh, and the Internet, as big as it is, is very there are there is there are connect there's connectivity. It's the Web after all. So um, I would have made uh, I would have said no a bit more often. And but the one thing I wouldn't have done differently, and I think this is almost more important, is I would have continued to take the risks I've taken. I mean, I left life hack, knowing full well I had a regular paycheck coming in, but I also knew that I was, you know, going to be able to learn so much more doing it on my own. Um, I left, uh, you know, I left the next web 
as a as an editor when I realized I'm not a reporter. <laughs> they were paying. <laughs> they they you know. Yeah, I'm not a reporter. I'm a writer. I mean, I can do the feature stuff, but I, w- I was not a reporter. So, so, and I mean, as long as you're up front. And the other thing uh, that I would do is whenever you leave something or walk away, give them two weeks notice is no longer enough on the internet. I gave everybody a month. I said, and that also gave me a month to set myself up. <laughs> That's awesome. My son, of course, just comes in. So, and the other thing I wouldn't do differently is is I wouldn't uh, not stay at home. That's great, son. Can you go talk to mommy now? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's the reason I do what I do. Yep. I get to stay home and be with him. So, <laughs> <That's awesome>. uh, <laughs> did, did he just set set a fire off? No, my my wife just set the fire alarm off. There, it is. <laughs> there we go. So the house is not burning down. Yeah. Everything is cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, all right. So let's get into uh, the next segment, which is what's in your toolbox. And you brought up things like uh, productivity porn. I know you've done a bunch of reviews on to-do apps, um, task apps, stuff like that. Uh, what do you use as a piece of software besides WordPress or, or, or a hardware device that you need every day to get through your daily routine? Hmm. Uh, when it comes to what I use every day, I mean, I use all three. I use my, my MacBook Air. is The 11-inch the MacBook Air is kind of my hub, so I use that for writing. And I mean, I, I don't use it for task management as often for like the regular task management. And I guess when it comes to apps, OmniFocus is my go-to app for individual task management. And then Asana is my task for task man- for collaborative. And I, I love another one called Flow that's developed here in Victoria by MetaLab. But um, the, the, the barrier to entry for that for most people is price. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asana is free for up to 30 people, whereas uh, Flow which is, worth, is like $10 a month and it's worth every penny. But you know, some people, especially people who are new to productivity, aren't, aren't going to pay that. So it, 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 that's the pain point there. Um, when it comes to uh, writing, I use Byword for blog posts. I use Scrivener for writing books. Um, you know, uh, the 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 as I mentioned earlier, the iPad is mainly used for for reading, uh, writing when I'm on the go because I can take it with me anywhere. And I'm still on my iPad One, by the way. Yeah, me too. I'm still, <laughs> my, I'm still on my original one, and I don't think I'll go with the Mini because I do a lot of writing on it, and I, I don't think that writing on the Mini is gonna gonna work for me too. Well. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, and I use my iPhone for social media connection, that kind of stuff. And, uh, so, uh, and, uh, and the main portal for my OmniFocus is on the iPad, mainly because of the weekly review aspect and the forecasting. Um, in terms of other apps I use, I use 3030, which is a great app. So I, what I'll do is I'll take my day and kind of say, okay, what am I doing today? So I'll go into OmniFocus, look at what I have, move some of those apps into, into 3030 so I can, if I decide like for writing, I've got like two hours, so I will pick two hours of writing time. I won't say I'm going to write from 9 to 11. I'll say, today I want to write for two hours. Um, so I use that, uh, and it's available on the iPad and iPhone. I also use My Minutes, which is great to track what, what, what Cal Newport calls deliberate practice. So it tallies how much I've been spending writing, so I can say, oh, I've spent 86 hours writing you know, this month. So I use that. Um, there's several other apps that I use. I also have a, a, I use paper a lot. I sketch note. I use, um, sort of a, it's not a form so much, although I am creating a form for it. It's, it's kind of like a day connect thing or a productivity progress planner where I'll write down what I need to do. And I'll normally do this like first thing. And after I'm done reading is what I, what I kind of want to do for the day. 
then I'll, I'll say there's it asks me you know this is a light lifting day a heavy lifting day what's your energy level life why what why do you want to do the things you want to do so it's more of the why to than the how to and then I'm like oh well these other things no so I'll pick the five that I want to do that are aligned with the why and then I'll track those and then I'll bring them back into OmniFocus everything always comes back into OmniFocus at the end of the day though nice it's quite a system um, it t- and, and and believe me it takes me it. it, it the thing is, it sounds busy, and it is busy for anyone that's just jumping into it. But because I've gotten so used to the workflow, I mean, some people just be paper pen done, and that's cool. Some people just be like OmniFocus in, OmniFocus out, done. Um, I like to have this workflow work for me because each of those apps achieves a certain, a different aspect of of of, of my workflow that the other just doesn't do. And uh, I'm all about one task. If one app can do one thing really well, I use it. So nice. Uh, let's jump into the lightning round uh, where I'm going to ask you a series of quick questions. You'll have a series of quick answers. Uh, the one WordPress plugin you cannot live without. Who? Uh, probably WordTwit. I use WordTwit Pro. Um, I just like the tweets going out automatically and the hashtags can be put right in. And I can either make it manual or automatic or scheduled to come out later. So WordTwit Pro by Brave New Code is the one that for me is, is the big one. Nice. Uh, a favorite WordPress or business book? <clears throat> huh. Getting Things Done would be the easy one to say by David Allen. Um, uh, I like Social Nation by Barry Liebert <clears throat> um, because he talks about social media more of in a holistic way, I think, a more human way, as opposed to the whole, like, here's how you tweet and stuff like that. So I think that that, that one's a good one to read. Um, that would be one of the ones that sticks out in my mind. Great. Uh, a quote you live or run your business by? Stop doing productive, start being productive. Nice. Uh, the best <laughs> business or career advice you've ever received? Uh, quit my job by Jonathan Colton uh, in an email. And then don't tell your wife I told you to quit your job. <laughs> um, that would be one. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be the big one uh, for me. Because it, honestly, if I didn't leave, I would still be, I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And, and, and that kind of, that risk that I took is it was huge. So uh, my son's named after the guy for crying out loud. So <laughs> wow, nice. Uh, the longest a client project has ever taken. Uh, um, there's one that's still ongoing, and it's been about two years, but it's an ongoing project. Uh, I would say, uh, and again, I work in retainer a lot, so um, that would be. I mean, we're working on a film right now, so that would be the longest one. It's been three years in the making right now so that would be that'd be a big one that is the and, I'm, and, and, and i'm covering all aspects of it so i'm doing the website doing the whole thing yeah yeah that that, that takes the new the new crown <laughs> uh <laughs> if you had to switch to another content management system what would it be squarespace i actually use squarespace for mikevardy.com okay um just because it's 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 got a lot of what wordpress offers and the thing I really like about it is everything in one place. So you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, is my WordPress database corrupt or is it the host or is it whatever? Everything's there. So I would pick Squarespace. Great. Um, who should I interview next? Hmm. I would interview for, for this probably uh, – it'd be easy for me to say uh, – um, you know, I would interview Aaron Mankey, actually. Aaron Mankey of Wet Frog Studios. Because he does design work, he does web stuff. I think, and he's a freelancer. He's done, he wrote the book Frictionless Freelancing. So I'd say Aaron Mankey. Awesome. Uh, what's the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Um, why didn't you lock the door? Room <laughs> <sun parts? laughs> 
I love live action on the show. <laughs> um, uh, I guess what keeps me on task would be would be one. Um, and actually, I'm looking at it right now. I've got um, visual touchstones everywhere in my. I've got the beat resistance plaque from Seth Godin uh, that that came with Stephen Pressfield's "Do the Work." I've got uh, a vision, you know, the Marvel superhero vision from the Avengers. That reminds me of my vision statement. That's on my desk. I've got the priorities symbol. Uh, what I did was I took a successories, uh, a successories uh, frame, and it's going to be hard to see because of the glare, but yeah. there it is. Nice. So that's my kids, and that just reminds me why I do what I do. And then they bought me this this year for Christmas. <laughs> so that, that willpower that the Green Lantern, because that's honestly a lot of the thing that keeps you going, is yep. the willpower to, to, to keep pushing through. So visual touchstones for me are one of the things that keeps me on task. So if I ever get stuck... And the weird thing about the new desk I've got, my wife gave me her writing desk, is that I look straight ahead and I see myself in the mirror. So it all kind of goes across. It's very surreal. <laughs> it works a lot. So, so I'd say if you have the ability of anything that, that is visually um, applicable, use that. I mean, I even have this thing that my kids got me, which is the easy button by oh, Staples. Yeah, we have one of those here. <laughs> It's easy. So I do that whenever I finish something that I thought was particularly hard or, or I wanted to get out of the way. That's awesome. That's an awesome answer. <laughs> um, so I want to say thanks for doing this interview. Um, what I want to do is tell folks, if you found this interview interesting, if you found it useful, and God, we hope you did because there's so much juicy details in there, um, go to mattreport.com, jump on the mailing list, mattreport.com slash subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when I interview somebody awesome like Mike uh, on my show to get it out to you before anyone else. So Mike, plug away. Where can people find you? What are you doing? I know you have a podcast. What else? Thanks. Do you got? Yeah. First off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can you can find my my blog is productivityist.com. and uh, from there uh, you can find all my stuff. So Mike's on Mike's is the podcast that I do, and then I've got the new book that's out, uh, The Front Nine: How to Start the Year You Want Anytime You Want, and you can go get that at mikevardycom slash nine and it's available for Amazon, iBooks, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, that's uh, just if you Google Mike Vardy, uh, you'll find me. Just don't go to the British director because that's not me. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Mike. All right, everybody else. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Cheers.